Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. West Holm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. West Holm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unk, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unk, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about imitation crab. Yes, sometimes crab with a K. Crab with a K, yeah. Uh, Annie named the outline for this episode just all in caps with a K. Crab. <laughs> which, Straight to the point. Yeah, which I like. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I should have named it Mr. Krabs <laughs> after my favorite SpongeBob character who uh, does spell it with a K. Ah. Uh, is he a fake crab? <gasps> SpongeBob conspiracy. I cannot tell you this because I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but, um, but I am sure that someone on the internet has either gotten to the bottom of this or pondered it deeply, so. Oh, well, I will tell you, a couple listeners have uh, written in and said, Annie, of course, you've seen the SpongeBob horror comic, and I had to, to my shame, say, no, but share this with me. Lauren, even if you haven't seen SpongeBob, you should read this comic. It's terrifying. Wow. But fantastic. Okay, is it canon or is this fan work? It's fan work. Okay. Um, And it's about Patrick, like, being an insatiable, like, incorporating the actual anatomy of a starfish. Oh, no. 
And so they like cut off his arms. They're like, stop. And he's like, did you know starfish can regenerate limbs? <laughs> it's so good. Wow. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, okay. So, I mean, so A, we have gotten a lot of requests for uh, for a SpongeBob-themed episode. Yes. Which we will yes. have to do in the future, for which I will totally watch some SpongeBob. It's I haven't not watched it because I'm mad at it or anything. I just haven't. Sure gotten around Oh, I've to. got, I got my list of, well, it's 12 favorite. I was supposed to do five, but it became 12. Um, <laughs> That's the most anything episodes. I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a friend of ours was like, just send me five. And then I, I was working on it. And I was like, can it be 10? And he was like, okay, but just 10. And then I was like, well, it's 12. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. But anyway, I got that ready for you. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. Well, we can we can do this, and then I can read the horror comic, and then we can talk about it all in a future episode. Um, yes. But pending that, for yes. now, Imitation Crab. Yes. And this was a suggestion from listener Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. It's one of those foods I don't think I would have thought of doing unless, like, the news came my way or something. But, it, I, yeah, I have no idea what it is or I did it when I started the research I could pretend to do the the whole (laughs) surprise podcaster thing (laughs) but no no I know what it is now but I had no idea what it was um and it's very interesting and fun yes yeah um and and I will say that crab is one of my favorite foods and imitation crab is a thing that I get like very specific cravings for and this was Perhaps surprisingly to me, one of my cravingest episodes, like I came closer to ordering expensive lunch to be delivered to me during this than I have in a long time. And I feel kind of bad about that. That's fascinating. (laughs) Because I was thinking about this and I've I've obviously I've had imitation crab, but I couldn't tell you. What it tastes like, I can. It's almost more of a texture oh, thing for me. It's like both. I know it's the texture. Both. Yeah, it's so salty and so sweet. It's it's not like it's not like food. It's not like food. Well, uh, you need to talk to Samantha about your love of crab because I recently got to witness her love of crab. Uh, This being Samantha, your co-host over on Stuff Mom Never Told You. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. Uh, And she, it's insatiable. (laughs) It's it's like, (laughs) I've never seen anything like it. We actually went on a crabbing adventure. We'd already bought crab, had more crab. But she needed more crab. Oh. So we went crabbing, and then she had guilt dreams. What? About the crabs, but she still ate the crabs. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, crab is also one of my mom's favorite dishes. And a couple of Christmases ago, I made one of her favorite things with crab as a sort of like, let her down easy, I'm not coming to Christmas. Oh, thing. uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was going to spend it with my boyfriend. Um, but we are going to do crab in a future episode because— I recently, because of this crabbing adventure and also because of some weird crab science I stumbled upon. Oh, mm. my gosh. But not today. Not today. I I didn't have it in me for an anatomy lesson today. And <laughs> yeah. it, it's... There's some weird, <laughs> weird things going on with the crab. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. Yes. But yes, this does bring us to our question. Yes. Imitation crab. What is it? 
Well, um, imitation crab sticks are the hot dogs of the sea. <laughs> the the craft singles of the ocean. Um, they're <laughs> they're made of um fish meat mince or, or paste that's blended with binders and texturizers and flavorings and colorings, um, then pressed and, and cooked into these thin layers that are bundled into sticks resembling the meat from crab legs and uh, resulting in like a tender, flaky, spongy, chewy, salty, sweet, savory stick of meat. <laughs> Stick of meat. Stick mm. of meat. Not meat <laughs> on a stick. Stick of meat. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Important <laughs> distinction. Uh, here in the States, this imitation crab is almost always the crab um, in your California rolls, in your crab rangoon, your seafood salad, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that fish meat mince or paste is a product called sorimi. Um, which is also the main ingredient in fish cakes um, or kamaboko. Um, you know, like the kind of stuff that you get in bowls of ramen or, or other soups in Japanese restaurants, um, a whole or in slices. Some of them have pretty designs like the Naruto kamaboko, which are um, white with a pink, um, pink uzumaki, a pink spiral in them. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's also the key ingredient in lots of other imitation seafood products like shrimp and scallop and lobster. And surimi is typically made from pollock or other whitefish um, because uh, they, they've got meat that's mild in flavor um, and white in color. Um, though, though technically, surimi can be made from any kind of seafood or other meat. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think there's hmm. something about the fish proteins that that work specifically well for this process, uh, which is um, that you 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 take you take your fish, you fillet it, you know, so it's missing the heads and the guts, um, and then press those fillets through a machine that that pushes the meat through a sort of fine sieve, um, and then collects on the other side that the bones and scales and skin. So you wind up with this with this fine mince of fish that you wash repeatedly and then refine and drain. At which point you you've basically primed the proteins in the meat to um to to coil up and gel up with each other. Then you you freeze that mass until it's ready to be made into whatever kind of product you want. And the stuff that Srimi is mixed with in order to create imitation crab may include uh, water, uh, starches from like wheat and corn and tapioca and potato or whatever, protein from soy or egg whites, vegetable oils, and uh, thickeners like uh, carrageenan or xanthan gum. And all of these things will help with texture. Um, then you're going to probably add some sugar and salt for texture and flavor, and then some natural or artificial colors and flavorings, plus preservatives for shelf life. The final product is going to be pasteurized for safety and uh, sold to consumers either in packs by themselves or as an ingredient in dishes, uh, as mentioned above. And compared with non-processed seafood, it is probably going to be cheaper, um, but generally less environmentally friendly because that processing requires a lot of water and creates waste. Right. Um, and yeah, there. I found a lot of charts showing the Price differences, mm-hmm. and it can be significant. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, but what about the nutrition? 
Well, uh, it depends on exactly how it's made, of course. But um, but in general, imitation crab is low in fat, high-ish in protein, um, more carbs, and specifically more sugar than non-processed crab and fish. Uh, it's got a decent smattering of minerals. It is high in sodium, um, so watch out for that if that's a thing that you watch out for. And I mean, you know, if you're comparing processed and non-processed foods— for nutritional purposes, go with non-processed every time. Um, but, you know, I, I'd say that the imitation crab will fill you up. In order to keep you going, you should pair it with um, a bit of fat, maybe some vegetables. Always eat a vegetable. Um, Boys. And there is a bit of a problem with the mislabeling of, of the composite seafood products that go into imitation crab and other surimi-based products. Um, like, there's a mislabeling problem in all kinds of seafood. But yeah, if you have an allergy to any kind of seafood, I, I would advise probably avoiding imitation crab. Um, in a study from 2017, over a third of the surimi products sampled were mislabeled. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we do have some numbers for you. Yes, despite the fact that it is a little bit hard to parcel out numbers for imitation crab, uh, specifically versus surimi in general. Um, but it's a big market. As of 2016, Alaska alone, not even the whole U.S., just Alaska, produced 204,000 metric tons of surimi, um, valued at $530 million. Whoo! Mm-hmm. And Americans ate twice as much Pollock as crab in 2010, which, again, hard to necessarily say how much of that has to do with imitation crab, but probably a lot. Probably. (laughs) Probably. And the U.S. isn't the only big consumer. No, uh, France, Spain, Thailand, South Korea, and Japan eat a lot of this stuff, too. Apparently, in France, it's pretty common to dip it in a sauce. Yeah, I guess it's sold in little, like, snack packs, kind of, with a little sauce pack, and you just dip the stick in the sauce and you eat it as a little snack. And that sounds so delightful. And I'm like, why has that not taken off in more places? I want want my little imitation crab snack packs everywhere I go. Imitation crab snack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's available in claw and chunk form, which I found fascinating. Like, we only get the sticks because I guess yeah. we're just like, what's what, what more realism do we need than a stick? <laughs> um, it could be a leg. <laughs> it could, sure, why not? Uh, but yeah, claw form and specifically uh, uh, breaded so that you can just have a little, little crispy breaded claw oh. snack, right? Um, okay. Those are frequently available in uh, places like South Korea, Thailand, Spain, and Italy. And it comes in all sorts of flavors and colors in Japan, and sometimes given as a gift. Yeah, Japan is the largest surimi market uh, overall. Um, there, there are special kamaboko made in, in different colors and patterns for different holidays. Um, but the U.S. now supplies a lot of Pollock and Pacific Whiting surimi to Japan. Like, like 99% of the whiting-based surimi used in Japan is from the United States. Yes, uh, and there is a very interesting history as to how we got to there. <laughs> yes, goodness, and we will get into that, but first we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? 
Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. <laughs> I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. <laughs> Yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> West Holm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot -E com slash savor. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, for at least 800 years, surimi-based products have been consumed in Japan. 
The first known recipe for the process of manufacturing surimi, traditionally known as, yes, kamaboko, goes back to a 1528 cookbook. It was a way to use up leftover or extra fish by grinding it up and salting it. And in some instances, it was considered a delicacy. Mm -hmm. In the 19th century, small commercial businesses started selling surimi-based products. And in the 20th century, with the advent of more efficient, large-scale fishing operations, modern manufacturing processes of surimi-based products were born. Mm -hmm. Japanese scientists innovated most of these methods between 1945 and 1960. Um, Things like longer preservation for improved shelf life, improving the texture, and learning more about the gel-forming properties and why they happen. And from that, how to improve the texture after freezing. Yeah, the the problem is that fresh surimi only lasts for so long, you know, because it's a fresh product. But freezing proteins, which is, you know, a a good solution for for preservation, freezing them can denature them. Um, It makes them uncurl, so they won't form and gel up with each other properly. Um, A major innovation was the addition of sucrose and sorbitol, uh, which are sweeteners that also protect the, the, the microscopic structures within the surimi when it's frozen. It helps uh, helps those proteins avoid denaturing. Um, and this meant that you could make all the surimi you wanted when you got a fresh catch-in and then freeze it for uh, manufacturing use later on. Yes, big deal. And after that discovery in the 1960s, the production of surimi-based items just shot up even more. Oh, yeah. Imitation crabs specifically was privately invented in 1975 by uh, Sugino, Y. Sugino, and K. Osaki. Uh, And Osaki's father had founded a company that commercially processed surimi in 1928. Um, They were looking for a cheaper alternative of the much-desired but very expensive crab. And (laughs) Osaki believed that with a little shaping and red food coloring, they could make their product look like actual crab legs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. They weren't the only company to develop imitation crab around this time in Japan, but they were certainly one of the biggest, certainly the names that come up the most when you're digging into the history of imitation crab. (laughs) In the early 80s, imitation crab made its way to mainstream United States, manufactured by the Japanese company Yamasa Enterprises, Uh, And it was pretty much an immediate success, um, making an annual $250 million in the United States by 1986, going from 100,000 pounds to 100 million pounds in a few short years. Wow. Uh, Mm -hmm. As popularity and demand grew in America, their production, the production in America, surpassed Japan's production. And American companies, yeah, they began exporting to Japan. Mm Mm-hmm. Not all was well, though. Mm. Here's a quote from a 1987 Chicago Tribune article. But not since classic Coke has any food caused as much talk about the real thing. (laughs) Many people want to know who is this imposter and why is it causing so much controversy? (laughs) Gosh. All right. I know. And a part of this controversy was due to the lack of regulations requiring restaurants, groceries, and so on to label imitation crab as long as it was fresh. So mm. as long as it was fresh, they didn't have to really differentiate. Um, this did change. Eventually, imitation crab, crab, or seafood product became the norm of labeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that, that changed again later, which we'll get to. <laughs> And also, I just want to put this in here. I read a whole Atlas Obscura article about the origins of the crab rangoon. 
uh, made, yes, with Imitation Crab frequently. Uh, future episode. Yeah. But essentially, I've never really thought about how interesting of a food product this is. But essentially, Trader Vix plus Tiki culture plus the development of Chinese American cuisine all came together. To create this, yeah, this mm-hmm. deep fried wonton pastry that contains cream cheese and imitation <laughs> crab. Yeah, what a whirlwind, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now I want to do an episode on cream cheese because then I went on a rabbit hole about that and I was like, stop it, stop it, stop it. But, um, <laughs> Ooh, oh, I would love to do an episode on cream cheese. Oh, yes. yay. Okay. Yes. Okay, concentrate. Mm-hmm. Um, part of what spurred all of this production of Surimi-based products here in the United States during the 1980s was changing fishery laws in the late 1970s that um, previously had allowed foreign fishers to get pretty close to American shores. But um, but these new laws um, pushed them out in, in Alaska specifically um, like 200 miles from the shoreline. And so that allowed these American fisheries to, to really um, capitalize on the the Pollock, the Alaskan Pollock in those waters. And that it was just it was just this dovetail that happened right as imitation crab was taking off in the United States. And suddenly these producers were like, oh man, we can A get all of this uh, like relatively easy to catch fish and we can make a pretty decent profit off of it by turning it into this stuff that there's now a market for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something else that helped um, was the popularization of the California roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, invented by a Japanese chef in Canada uh, and using crab stick as one of the ingredients. The California roll also helped introduce sushi at large to the American mainstream. Many, many rolls that did incorporate imitation crab, they were intentional because a lot of Americans at the time were a bit nervous about eating raw seafood. Mm -hmm. I can remember the first time I had sushi, which was in high school, and I told my mom and she was like, you ate raw fish? (laughs) And now she'll eat sushi, but like, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Rolls like that. I want to do one on the California roll too. So many future episodes to come back to. Yes, yeah. Who yeah. knew? Imitation crab. Thank you. You're a yeah. gold mine. You, the crab that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 1993, Jay Park started Surimi School at Oregon State University, which is an annual event at the OSU Seafood Lab. And it culminates in a tasting of all kinds of Surimi products. Scallops, hot dogs, and desserts. Wow. Desserts. Yes. If anyone has any more information on this, the most recent article I could find was pretty pretty old. So I'm not sure if it's still going Uh. on. Um, But any listener has any information. Um, Also, the article I found that in had a Curb Your Enthusiasm clip, (laughs) which any time research allows me to, to watch a clip from a comedy is great. But it's basically Larry David arguing with Cheryl about how he talks during sex. And she's like... It's not even dirty talk. You bring up imitation crab. And he's like, imitation crab is interesting. More people should know about it. (laughs) It made me laugh. (laughs) Man, I actually have a pretty good Larry David impression. I really didn't do it there. Eh, future. In the future. Um, The FDA allowed for the dropping of imitation in 2006 labeling. Yeah. Instead allowing for this description... Crab-flavored seafood made with surimi, a fully cooked fish protein. Okay. Hmm. 
Still uh-huh. accurate. I that is a very long way of saying imitation, but yes, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a 2018 Russia Beyond article claims that crab stick salad is one of the top three items on Russian tables on New Year's, and they called it the Russian version of crab louis. Uh, the article goes on to claim that Russian women came up with this dish in the 1980s. So again, any listeners, if you got more information on that, would love yeah. to hear. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, as of 2018, new technologies to to recapture some of the proteins and other nutrients lost during the the water treatment part of processing surimi were debuted, which um which helps reduce waste. Yay! Mm-hmm. Although. Uh, uh, less yay, um, overfishing and climate change have led to steadily decreasing production of surimi products since the 1980s, despite continually increasing demand, which means that prices are rising. Yes. Um, and that's that's about where we are with imitation of crab. However, I did want to end this one on a slightly different note mm-hmm. because I found what is one of the most beautiful pieces of art um, <laughs> I've ever found while researching an episode. It is called um, Fantacrab, Fantasy of Surimi. And I would like Lauren to take a crack at uh, describing it to you. Okay. So, so I don't know where you found this. <laughs> and I don't know what Fantacrab is. Um, if that's a brand or it's a brand, it's a yeah. brand. okay. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I do see the little the little reserved mark in, next to it. Okay, cool. Um, well, okay. So this is an image of like a oh, what's the, what's the word like a like a collage or um or, or what's what's the term when you have like a whole bunch of tiles that make up an image? Yeah, oh, like um, a mosaic. Oh, yeah, 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 like a mosaic. Sure. Yeah, no, this is a mosaic of surimi products. Um, so it, it's, and, and the, and the image in the mosaic, um, is this very kingly, um, uh, King Triton kind of, kind of thing with a, with a flowing beard and, and, and a noble crown. Um, and it looks like he might be riding upon a dolphin or like a killer whale, um, car- carrying his trident, uh, it threw through it through a sea, a dark and storming sea. Um, but all of these elements, I I cannot impress upon you enough, are are mosaicked out of Surimi products. So so I can see uh, in in the crown and in the orca. Um, there's some there's some crab claws, perhaps lobster claws. It's hard to tell. Um, the the beard and his hair are are made of little Surimi shrimps. Um, his, his body appears to be crab stick. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, the very best, um, fake seafood mosaic I've ever seen in my life. I feel very confident we can say that now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Thought it's, was put into it. It's glorious. Oh, certainly, certainly. <laughs> Uh, yes. Um, hopefully, well, we can post this or uh, go look it up. It is a thing to behold. Um, yeah, it is truly a fantasy of Surimi. <laughs> I believe there's a whole story. Like, the company had, like, a whole, 
Neptune rides upon the uh, the waters, and uh, there's a whole wow. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I mean, he does. I'm not going to take that away from him. So, <laughs> no matter how much Surimi he's made out of, I that is his right. Um. <laughs> oh well, thank you, Lauren, for indulging me. An excellent job describing uh, this. You're welcome. I thank you. Thank you. <laughs> For providing the opportunity. <laughs> oh, oh, I knew it had to be shared. I knew it. It's one of those things, the second you see it, it's like love at first sight. But <laughs> with, you know, a piece of seafood. But with more <laughs> imitation, imitation seafood. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, my heck. Uh, well, yeah, so we do have some listener mail for you. We do. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy piña colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks, but I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) West Holm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. 
Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listeners. No. There's a crab movement in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was torn between, I was like, I should do an imitation of us doing listener mail, but then I that broke my brain. Oh, so I, yeah. I backed out quick because I think I might not have returned from that. Yeah, um, no, that's a, that, mm, no. Mm-mm. And then I was going to do like a Fanta Crab. Uh, <laughs> there were a lot of options I could have taken for this one is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I look forward to a King Triton Neptune moment sometime in the future. But. Oh, yeah. It's coming. Cool. Oh, yeah. But in the meantime, (laughs) Marjorie wrote, My grandparents owned an almond ranch a mile or two from the Franzia Winery near Escalon, California, and were friends with the Franzia and Gallo families. Yeah. (laughs) When my grandparents retired and moved into town behind my junior high school, I would go over to their house after school to help with chores, and my grandmother would regale me with stories of life on the farm and the stories of Escalon. The Franzia and Gallo families provided some of the subject matter of those stories, including how one of the Gallo brothers courted his wife on my grandparents' honeysuckle-covered porch over bowls of popcorn. His penny-pinching was legendary in the Central Valley. Thanks for bringing back those cherished memories of spending time with my grandmother and listening to her stories. You might want to think about doing an episode on the Gallo family and their influence on the American wine industry. It is a murder mystery with bootlegging wrapped up with some strong-arming and unbridled ambition through the generation story. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So Uh. into it. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, all of that is fascinating, top to bottom. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, I should I should recommend the Gallo family story to uh, to American Shadows, that other that that murder podcast I'm doing. Because you, you know, should. Huh. Such intrigue. Any any bootlegging story. Hmm. 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 Katie wrote. If every single one of your Australian listeners doesn't write in to tell you about Guna Fortune, I will eat my hat. 
Guna Fortune is almost a rite of passage game for often <clears throat> underage Australians uh, where you get the bag out of the box and peg it to the hill's hoist, uh, a rotary clothesline. Everyone sits in a circle under the clothesline and someone spins it. Whoever is sitting under the bag when it comes to a stop gets the wine poured into their mouth from the spigot. It is not exactly a game of skill, but it is a cheap and fast way to get a party started. And oh so patriotic because it combines two Australian inventions, cask wine and the hill's hoist. I should say the boxed wine cask wine in Australia is often called goon, particularly when the wine is not of good quality. The bag is called a goon bag, hence the name of the game, Goon of Fortune. Say it like Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> also, and maybe I'm revealing too much here, but cask wine was always the sensible choice to take to parties in my youth because you can blow up an empty bag to use as a pillow at the end of the night. Actually, there's even a sculpture in the Civic Center in Canberra, which is called the Goon Bag. It's a big <laughs> silver pillow. I'm not sure if the artist meant it to be a Goon Bag, but I've never heard it called anything else. And yes, Australia does need to work on its drinking culture. I drink much more responsibly now, but still would never sniff at wine from a box. <laughs> I love all of this. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's great. Yes. Uh, and you do not have to eat your hat because I believe we've heard from every Australian. <laughs> um, every Australian, period. Not yes. only the ones who listen to the show. <laughs> it got out quick. Um, they didn't mention Gouda Fortune, which I love. And we're going to share even oh. more stories of this later because they are all uh, wonderful and make, make us smile. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So good. Huh. Yeah. I can't believe I've never thought of using the bag for something, like anything. Because um, I know some people said they, like, use it to, like, a footstool, blow it up and ah. use a footstool. Like, all kinds of things. Okay, yeah. See? Reduce, reuse, recycle. That's great. Yes. We're all about it. All about it. Um, thanks to both of those listeners for writing. Uh, if you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? 
All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku streaming experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.